TheYeshiva.net. So we began a mimer of the Rebbe the Tzamech Tzedek, mitzvahs teglachas mitzvah, the mitzvah of the mitzvah, the leper. After they become pure, there's a mitzvah for them to cut, to shave all of their hair, as we discussed in the previous class, the section one of this mitzvah, the Mishnah and Tractate Nagoyim, that there are three situations in which there is a mitzvah to shave, the Nazir, the Nazirite, and the Mitzvah, the leper, and the Levim, the Levites, only in the desert. <clears throat> we also learned that the Nazir shaves at the end when he finishes his, his, uh, the time frame when he committed himself or she committed themselves to be a Nazir, unless they become impure in middle of that time, by mistake or deliberately, and then there's also a mitzvah of shaving, as discussed all in the previous class, the opening of Derech Mitzvah Secha, Mitzvah Teglachas Mitzvah. The last piece, in order to understand this whole concept of growing here, of cutting here, what is the concept of here, the Tzamech Tzedek introduced a Torah, a teaching that he heard from his grandfather, the Balatanya, the Alter Rebbe. And this dealt with another situation where the Torah says, you should, cut, you should cut her hair, in addition to what we spoke about, which is a Nazir and a Mitzayra. A Mitzayra, a leper, after they, their symptoms are gone and they become pure. And the third situation, in the desert, there was a special mitzvah, only for that time in history, for all of the Levim to cut their hair. In addition to that, there's a, there's a mitzvah, there's a halacha, a law, in Parshas Kisetze, which we spoke about at length, that applies to times of war. And that's known as Isha Yifas Tayar. The woman who is gorgeous, who is Yifas Tayar, who is, who is beautiful. And we spoke a lot about the passions of a soldier during the war, and therefore the way the Torah addresses it. And one of the things is that you create a situation where the soldier does not have to release his passions immediately and can control them because he knows that he will be permitted a little later, perhaps, but only after there is time. There is a time for her and for him to deliberate. And uh, as we spoke about, the Torah says that, that Rashi explains there that they would dress up the women during times of war in very, very uh, elegant clothing in order to lure the Jewish men into both a moral and military trap. So you shave her head and... Uh, you cut the nail. It's a, we spoke about this at length, right? And you let her cry for her father. You cut the nails. You let her cry for her father and mother for a month. And then either, it's remember, these are POWs. This is a time of war. He says, do not, do not uh, give her to somebody else or sell her. Never you get, let her go free unless you want to marry her and then has a regular, regular relationship of a husband and a wife. Fine. We explained this to spiritually, that the soul has two dimensions to it, the husband and the wife. <laughs> the soul in the soul itself. There is the part of the soul that remains somewhat aloof. It never really becomes grounded and manifested in the body. It's the part of the soul that's makif. Makif means it hovers over the body. It has tremendous impact on her. For example, on, it has a tremendous impact on the body but it's not felt viscerally in a manifested way through the body. We all have dimensions of ourself and personality that we may not even be aware of consciously. 
perhaps most of our soul we're not aware of. Because, not that it doesn't exist, not that it doesn't impact us, but it remains above. The feminine part of the soul, the wife, (laughs) femininity doesn't have the luxury to detach. It becomes completely manifested in the body and through the body. So in the soul itself, you have the husband and the wife, and that's called Eishas Yifas Toyer. The soul generally, the husband and the wife, is called Yifas Toyer because it's made up of integration, of various attributes and characteristics of Hashem. And that's what beauty is. Beauty is not something that's one-dimensional or one color, even though one color is also beautiful. But he says real beauty comes from harmony. It comes from diversity, working together in synchronization. It comes from symmetry. It comes from cohesion, like a symphony. The very few things that create such ecstasy and delight as when we see diverse elements. That's what beauty is. Beauty is, even in a body, a beautiful physique, a beautiful piece of art, a beautiful choir, a beautiful piece of art, a beautiful piece of music. Even a dish, a food, it's the symmetry, it's the diversity, it's bringing together, you fill up a plate with one type of food, okay, it's also nice, (laughs) especially if you're hungry. But in every field, you'll see that beauty comes from various forces, various energies, various colors, various voices, various notes, various limbs and organs working together in full harmony. It's one of the things that makes our world so beautiful. When you look at the world, you study planet Earth, you see how everything works in such unity and synchronization with other forces. That's what makes it beautiful. You know, you come to the ocean, and that contrast, and that um, sense of of, of unity, of the apparent infinite, or what seems like infinite expanse of water, you know, contrasted with the skies, and a sunrise, or a sunset, and the beach. All of that gives you that... uh, that sense of, 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 of reverence and of beauty and of splendor. So that's why the soul is called Yifas Toyer. Why is the soul called Yifas Toyer? Because this, the, 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 the soul comes from, he says, from the unity of many dimensions, of many divine realities. We're not made up of one, one piece. And that's why a person fluctuate so much that's why we live in different worlds and sometimes different extremes and and different moods it's not just a a chisar and a flaw you know why can't i always be in the same space you don't want to always be in the same space it's not who you are you're not in the same space this is so important to understand that's what makes a person beautiful what's what makes life beautiful i'm not always in the same space i have ups i have downs Life is a roller coaster. Sometimes somebody said, I don't want a roller coaster. I want to go on the merry ground. You know, when you come to an amusement park, some kids like to go right away on the roller coaster. <laughs> the adults like the Ferris wheel, so you could sit and kratz. So kratz and abyssal. And some people just want the merry ground. You know, they go on the horses around and around. But whether you choose this one or that one, or life chooses one or the other, there is movement. And there's movement. There's different positions. There's different spaces. There was once a yeshiva boy who was going through various upheavals in his life and he wrote a letter to the Lubavitcher Rebbe and he asked, you know, why does there have to be so many changes in his soul? And the Rebbe wrote something very interesting. He said, Which means it's not a mistake. A soul is in the image of Hashem. There are fluctuations above, so there are also fluctuations and vicissitudes below. Meaning, the rhythm of life is a rhythm that includes 
various types of motions that we spoke of, we speak often about Ratzoi and Shuv. So in the soul, the soul is called Yifastai, in the soul you have the husband of the soul, and you have the wife of the soul, the part of the soul that's manifested within the body and within the animal consciousness. And this wife, this woman, this feminine aspect of the soul can be taken into captivity. It can be hijacked. It can be eclipsed. And you're on, 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 you don't have access to it. It doesn't have access to itself. And that's a difficult moment. And he says, spiritually, this is what the mitzvah is talking about. You see this beautiful, beautiful woman. Who is it? Your own soul. My brother told me that somebody asked Michelangelo, one of the greatest sculpturers in the history of humanity, how he managed to sculpture David or his other pieces of art, his other sculptures, which are, each one of them is is mind-staggering in the skill and the brilliance and the artistic ability. He says, "How, how did you do this? And Michelangelo responded, he said, I saw the angel trapped in the marble and I chiseled away on the marble and I set the angel free. Eishas Yefas Toyar is every person's soul. It's gorgeous. It's full of creativity. It's full of diversity. It's beautiful. Yefei Toyar. But the angel is often trapped in the marble. It's stuck. It's an exile. It's a war. And some of the women are captured in war. So that Samach Tzedek says he heard from his grandfather that this is the time to be able to release the angel from captivity. And here there are different processes, and that's what the Pasuk is describing in the beginning of Parshish Kiseitse. There's an element of v'chashaktabah. Desire her. You want her. You love her. You crave her. Cheshek. Cheshek means I crave her. What does this mean spiritually, I crave her? It's the ability to actually be able to appreciate that truly what we're craving is our soul. What he calls his hapchus hamidois ra'is. To be able to transform a person's midas. That's very, very deep. That's really getting into the core of my emotions. He says, sometimes I'm not ready for that yet. But at least this vegilchas ra'isha. Is removing the here. What is that? He says that's removing the garments of the animal soul that may be eclipsing my relationship with my inner divine soul. And that's what he's going to explain now. We are up to the line that starts who. It's probably around 10 or 15 lines from the bottom. The line starts who pchines havaras. The concept of the unclean garments of the animal soul. What do we mean by unclean garments of the animal soul? What does this mean? It means as we speak often, we often speak about this. This is the basis of one of the main ideas in the Tanya. As he references here, Tanya chapter 10 and chapter 11 and chapter 12, that's where all of this is discussed at length. That we are not made up of one consciousness. We have an animal consciousness, we have a divine consciousness. Now each one on its own has a very unique purpose. The animal consciousness is not bad. It's actually important for survival. Like an animal. Every animal, even an insect, a reptile, a fish, a bird, a mammal, each one of them, all the discussion of this week's Parsha, all of them, each of them has the genetic makeup 
and which will give it the instincts to survive. The problem is when the animal soul doesn't only survive, it does extra things that it thinks it needs to survive. In other words, it goes out of its prescribed chemistry and it overcompensates because it's afraid for survival. It's an animal that's gone out of whack. In, in, in halacha, it's called a shir hamuid. There's a shir tam and a shir hamuid. You know the difference? A shir tam is an ox, if you learn Baba Kama, Parshish Mishpatim. An ox that's more or less benign, it's innocent. If it gores, it's completely out of the norm. A shir hamuid means an ox that's prone to damage. So we have many, many coping mechanisms that our animal soul acquires, usually in youth. And we have to always be able to distinguish what is essential to survival, which is actually good because it allows the divine soul to live and function and be productive and bring tremendous light to itself and to its family and to its environment and to the world. And what element of the animal soul actually starts blocking and distorting our inner divine consciousness. So this is the avoid of a person. And this is very, very deep avoid and it requires a tremendous amount of self-awareness and it requires a tremendous amount of humility and a tremendous amount of vulnerability and that's why a person came down to this world the Alter Rebbe says this often the soul did not come down to the world to fix itself the soul came down to the world to heal and repair the animal soul and the body which is amazing because you shouldn't get disturbed and affected and sad that you have to deal with all these things this is why I was created so the Tzamech Tzedek says, what are these garments of the animal soul? All the thoughts and words of a person which are disconnected. They're not connected to Hashem or His will or His service because really all of life is a manifestation of divinity. We always talk about this, right? The foundation of the Baal Shem Tev, God is Alts and Alts is God. But when I engage in thoughts and words, which are not keeping me aligned with Hashem. So the animal soul, instead of being a mirror, that a continuum of the divine soul, it can block it. This includes, When a person becomes overly clever and shrewd and sly, even in business, and with this I tarnish the emotions or even the awareness, the cognition, the intellectual faculties of my divine soul with an impurity of klipas nega. Klipas nega means those elements in the world that are permissible. Making money, making a lot of money, having a business is permissible. But it's called klipas nega. Klipas nega means a translucent shell, which means I can use it in a way that brings me closer to truth or also distances me from truth. As we're going to learn later, different ways in which a person could re, re, can relate to their work. There's work that become, overtakes me. I become a workaholic and it takes me away from myself. It takes me away from my wife. It takes me away from my children. It takes me away from God. It takes me away from my soul. It just stresses me out. And then there is work, Klipas Neuge, where I elevate it. As we're going to explain, even though business, all business, is good, there's a need for it, and it helps in service of God. You've got to make a living. 
You can give charity. But when it's done with extra shrewdness, means I'm not just smart about it, but I'm a ibechachem. means I allow it to overwhelm me and I become extremely manipulative and exploitive and I'm a schemer. He says, this is already not what the Torah wants. This is not what the Torah wants. <laughs> Somebody told me once, <laughs> a friend of mine, <clears throat> I was talking to him about, uh, we were talking about learning at night when he comes home from work. He says, Rabbi Jacobson, you know what my life is like? He says, I'm in the real estate market in Manhattan. And in the real estate market in Manhattan, he said, there are so many sharks I said, so what do you do about it? He said, I have also become a shark. I have also become a shark. If not, I won't survive. So, that's, that, you understand? And it's very difficult. You know, thank God he's very, <laughs> he, he successful. He works very hard. He said, I have to, I have to become a shark. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was such a, it was something very, it was, it was sad to hear that. Cause he's, he was, he, he, he understood that. He had a sensitivity to that. He said, everybody around me behaves like a shark. I have to become a shark. He said, he said, what do you want me to be? A benign puppy? I would have been eaten the first day. I would have been bitten and eaten the first day. But this is what a person has to ask themselves. Am I doing that? Am I, am I allowing myself to degrade my soul and really allow the nefesh of Bahamas that needs to survive, it wants to survive, to grow garments and layers that are unnecessary. He says, this is levushim tsoyimamish. It's garments of the animal soul that are unclean. So I have to remove all these types of garments that are not allowing my divine soul to emerge. And every person has these garments in their life. So remember, there's the element of a chashaktava, and there's Vigilches Roisha. It's two things with Aishas, if I tell you. One is you desire her, you crave her. It's finding your passion for your godly soul. And then there is removing all the outer trappings, like the here, which we're going to discuss, in order to access it. Achatam, Shenikru Levushim, Tsayyam Elab Shem Cyrus, what does that do with here? Why shave the here? Remove the garments. Here is not a garment. Here is a natural, natural part of the body. Ha'inyin. So let's now begin to discuss the concept of here. We find in Torah contradictory attitudes towards here. Pam higbi amaylas asaydes b'maoid k'may benazir kodeshia gadol peras aroshe. Sometimes the Torah elevates the status of here. Take a nazir. The Torah says a nazir, somebody who pledges that they want to be a nazirite for a certain amount of time or even for their entire life. The Torah says this person becomes holy and they grow the hair of their head and they're not allowed to cut their hair. They're not allowed to shave their hair until the time of Naziris is over. As the Torah tells us by Shimshin, the most famous Nazarite in history, Shimshon Hagibur, Samson, the powerful one. Shoftim Tezai in the 16th chapter of the book of Shoftim. Shekol His entire power, his ferocious, his incredible strength, stamina and vigor that was incredibly powerful. 
came through his hair. And when the Plishtim, the Philistines, ultimately wanted to abduct him and get rid of him, it was through Delilah, through Delilah, who at some moment, the whole experiment that she made with Shimshon once and twice, and the third time, finally, he spilled the beads. If you ever learned the book of Shoftim, incredible story. And he told her about the secret of the hair. And when she cut his hair, he was depleted from his strength. So we see that every Nazir, Shimshon or not Shimshon, there's a holiness in the hair, there's a sacredness in the hair. Kadosh Yiyah, Gadol Paras Arosha. There's a Kedusha in the hair. And he leaves the hair long, and that long hair is holy. You're not allowed to cut it. In fact, just like he's not allowed to become impure to a corpse, and he's not allowed to drink, he's also not allowed to cut his hair. So leaving the hair is a form of holiness. And by Shimshin, it wasn't just holiness. All of his power came through his hair. But sometimes we see a very different attitude. That the Torah actually degrades here. The Torah is not a fan of here. Kanal, we spoke before, the Mitzorah, who has been impure, he's a leper, and now he becomes pure. What does he have to do? Shave his hair. The Levim, they were the ones who were in charge to protect the Mishkan and to transport the Mishkan. They had an elevated form of holiness. They had to shave their hair in the desert, not later. Once they came into Eretz Yisrael, that mitzvah was not applicable anymore. And the Kayanim didn't have to shave their hair, but the Levim had to. So both by the Mitzvah and by the Levim we see that hair is undesirable. If you want to go from a state of impurity to purity, both by the leper and by the Levim in the desert, cut your hair. We have a similar notion when it comes to married women. The Gemara says in Brachas Chavdalat, Talmud Brachas 24, Seyar Beisha Erva. The hair by a woman, if it's exposed, it's not exposed, Seyar Beisha, hair of a woman, Erva. It's something that is Erva. Erva literally is translated as nakedness, which means there's something immodest about it. Now, there's no mitzvah for a woman to shave her hair, there are there are community there, commu- there are communities, especially from Hungary Hungarian descent, where the custom by the women was, and is still is, to cut their hair very short, and sometimes really 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 short. But uh, all the communities, married women cover their hair. Why do they cover their hair? Why not expose the hair? Whether they cover their hair through a shaitel, a wig, they cover their hair through a, a hat, through a tichel, whatever, different customs in different communities. But the Gemara says, Seya Isha erva. There is something sensual. There is something, uh, erva, erva, again, erva literally means nakedness, but it means there's, there's something about the hair that it should be covered. So w- what is it? What, what are we, uh, uh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, most communities, the women don't cut their hair. I mean, they may cut it a little bit, but but some do. Some do. Um, especially, I think, from Hungarian... Hungarian uh, Hung- it was a minigan, many Hungarian communities, and some others. Not just Hungary, but also Hungary. Some of the, some of the Has- Has- Hasidic communities still have that custom. It's not easy for everybody. It could, it could get, uh, it's not, it's not halacha. Many, many women, many communities don't cut their hair. 
I mean, they can cut it a little bit based on their desire, but I'm saying generally, after marriage, they cover their hair. And it's only after marriage, it's not before marriage. So again, even by, by women, before marriage, it's completely fine. <laughs> it's like the Nazar, <laughs> in a way. I mean, she doesn't have to leave her hair growing like a Nazar, but it can be open. After marriage, she covers her hair. And we learn this out from Parsha Saita, Parsha's Nasr, where the Torah says, Upares Raisha, you expose the head of the hair. And from here we learn that usually it should not be revealed, it should not be exposed in public. So Chazal have an expression, Seyer Beisha Erva. There is something very powerful and, uh, and uh, if you will, uh, sensual. There is an intimate energy, an intimate energy in the hair. And therefore it, it, it should be covered. Now, so which one is it? Do we love hair? Are we afraid of hair? <laughs> Do we like when the hair is long? Do we want short hair? <laughs> which one is it? By the Nazir, the long hair is holiness. By the Levi, no, not at all. By the Mitzayah, not at all. By the women, it's something in the middle. You've got to cover the hair. So which one is it? Do we like it? Do we not? What, what's our opinion about hair? That's what he says. We see contradictory attitudes to hair. These differences don't begin down here. In, in Jewish law, they begin in the higher worlds. Now, Tzimotetik is now going to use very mystical language. Don't get scared. This is how you learn new things. <laughs> We're going to explain. You don't have to understand everything. I just want you to understand the point that he's making. And this is a key point. Whenever there, are pheno- there is phenomena that you observe in this world, it does not begin here. It always begins in a higher plane. Just like when you're noticing a twitch in somebody, or you're noticing a physical reaction. You always don't look only for the symptoms, you want to look for the source. Very often people, their physical bodies are mirroring emotional challenges. A great effect, a very common example for this is Dr. Sarna's method with dealing with back pain. And so many other studies that show that physical experiences in the body are rooted in deeper emotional unresolved tension. The concept here is that nothing is only what it seems. Everything on the surface has deeper and deeper layers. When somebody is crying, you don't just say, oh, the water came out of their eyes. You look for the emotion that triggered those tears. So the Tzamaq Tzedek is saying, when you see in Allah difference of here, it doesn't start in this world. It starts in the higher reality, understanding what here is. Ki is the Atika Kadisha, he mekor chayis In Kabbalah it says that the here of what's known as Atika Kaddish. Atika Kaddish is a term about Hashem in the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel. Atik Yoimin Yosef, the ancient of days. Atik means the old, the ancient of days. Yosef, he sits. Levushek Islag Chiver, I'm just quoting Daniel. His cloak is like white snow. And the hair of his head is like white fleece, white wool of a sheep that was just born and it was not yet submerged in dirt or mud. So the sheep is absolutely white and clean. So Hashem, the Atik, is called 
he sits with with this white here. So Kabbalah uses this as a metaphor. This is a metaphor. That Atika Kadisha, which represents Hashem, and it's called Atika Kadisha, which literally means the ancient holy one, Atika Kadisha, Ayin Kof. The hears of Atika are the source of the life of all the worlds. The life force of all the worlds comes from the here of Atik. Wow. Ki Abba Yoinik Hashmini Just I'm translating. Abba means the father. It's usually the term we use for Chachma, which is the first of the attributes of the world of Atzilus. Abba Reishis Atzilus. Atzilus is considered the first world in the order of worlds. Atzilus, Bria, Yitzira, Asiya. Abba, father, is the beginning of the world. Then there's Bina, which is the mother, just like the father gives the seed of life to the mother and the mother conceives it and develops it into a fetus and then brings children into the world. So that's how the spheres work as well. So Abba, the father, is the beginning of Atzilus. And he receives his yoinik, he, he nurses. He receives his nurture from the eighth mazal of the 13 attributes. We all know about the Yudgimel Midas Arachim and they're called the Yudgimel Mazalis. The 13 attributes of compassion which come from Atika Kadisha. We say it in the morning, right? Etc. So Kabbalah says, Abba receives its life from the eighth mazal, Kenoida. In other words, the life of all the worlds, which begins with Atzilus, comes from Atika Kadisha, from the here. The mazalis are the here of Atika. Mashenkin Cyrus the Nukva, Yeshmehem Yenikasachitzainim. In Kabbalah, it will say, the here of Malchus, known as femininity, external forces could receive nurture from it. So the question is, spiritually, what is here? The same contradiction we have down here in Jewish law, what's our attitude to here? We also have in the higher states of consciousness. Sometimes we talk about here as the source of all life. That's the here of Atika Kadesha. And sometimes you'll see in Kabbalah that it says, from the here of Nukva, from the here of Malchus, which is the last of the ten spheres, there could be a Nikasach which means external, undesirable forces could receive vitality from it. Is here good or is here not good? So you already may have heard the difference. We're talking about Atika Kadisha versus Nukva. So what does this mean? I know this is very mystical, Kabbalistic language, but it's a Machzadik here. And a beautiful, beautiful explanation is going to bring this down. Explain it and apply it to our lives. The explanation in all of this is, Here represents Moishre Moichen. What's Moishre Moichen? Moichen represents cognition. Moichen literally means the brain, which is the house, the seat of our mind, of our awareness, of our consciousness. Moishre means the extra, the residue, the overflow, the surplus. Moiser, right? Moiser Adam and Abahema. Noiser, we have a concept of noiser, that which is left over. It's the overflow. You know, you fill up the, the, the cup and then what overflows is called moiser. Moiser means extras. You know, you have a certain amount of money that you need to live on and then you have the extra, the moiser. It's always the overflow, the residue, what remains. That's what Cyrus represents spiritually. Meaning, what's the main seat of the here? The body has here in different places. But the main, major concentration of air is on the head. That's the major concentration of air. Of course, by men you also have payas and you have the beard. 
as we will see later in the Maimer, what the concept of this is. And then, of course, there's other parts in the body. In Halacha, we have Zakana Elyon, Zakana Tachtan, the higher Bidl, etc. Shtei Cyrus. But the here represents that which is on top of the head. That's the seat of the brain. So it's not a mistake. Why did God do it that way? It represents Moisre Moichin, that which is extra. It's on top of the head. It's the overflow from the Moichin. We'll, exp- we'll explain more what this means. So Einstein taught us the theory of relativity. But here you have his words, he says. If you want to understand the here, it's always relative. You have to look at the place where it comes from. Which represents mamish infinity, pure infinity. So even the moisrus, the surplus, the overflow of Atika Kadisha has so much energy to give life to all the worlds. Furthermore, to the contrary, it's only through the moisturous, through the here, that the life could come to all the world. Because from Atik itself, from the core of Atik itself, the world cannot receive anything. Because they would never be able to contain and absorb and tolerate such a revelation of life from infinity if all the doors of perception were cleansed, if there was no here, if the energy would not be contracted, if Atik itself would communicate its energy to the world, there would be no finiteness, which means there would be no identity, there would be no I, there would be no diversity. The worlds cannot receive and contain the chiyus from Atik itself because it's absolute infinity. El Cyrus. The energy has to be contracted and condensed and filtered through the here. Because as we know, the here also is alive. My here grows. If the here wasn't alive, it wouldn't grow. And yet, the here has a very uh, restricted form of energy because it doesn't have nerve endings. That's why when you cut the here or you cut your nails, it's not painful. <laughs> it's not painful. They say about the Rakachover, right? So we spoke about it last week. The Rakachover didn't take haircuts. The Rakachover gone. He had, he had, he had such long hair and he didn't take care of it. We'll soon understand this a little better, what's happening here. So the hair also is alive. It has vitality. But the vitality of the hair is what's called, in Chesidus it's called, it's mitzumtzum. It's very restricted. It's very condensed. So therefore, Atik, which is Ein Soif Mamish, it can't infuse its energy in the world the way it is because the world will never be able to absorb it, to contain it, they will dissolve into infinity. So the only way Atika Kadisha could communicate its energy is through hears, through Cyrus, which is a contracted form. So therefore, he's saying, it's all back to what he's saying, it always depends where the hair is coming from. When the hair comes from Atika Kadisha, which is Ain Saif, even the moisturous, even the leftovers, even the residue, even the filtered energy is still, wow, it can invigorate all the worlds. And therefore, Amazing words. So therefore, when you're talking about Atika Kadisha, the here represents incredible and wondrous Kedusha. There is unbelievable holiness in the here. As the Pasuk says in Daniel, 
chapter 7, as I quoted earlier, Daniel is in Aramaic, so let's translate. The ancient one of days, referring to Hashem, Yosef sits, Levushe, his cloak, his garment, Kislag Chiver, looks like white snow. Slag in Aramaic is Shelag in Hebrew. The Shin and the Sof are substituted. So Kislag, like snow, Chiver, white. Usa'ar Reshe, and the hair of his head, Ka'amar Noke, is like clean white wool. Amar, Ayin and Sadek are substituted. It's like Tzemer, Ketzemer Noki, like clean white wool of a fresh sheep that was just born. You ever saw a new sheep, a baby sheep, without the wool getting dirty, without the wool getting blackened in any soiled? That's the hear of Hashem. Why does Daniel say this? Because this is a metaphor for the Cyrus of Atika Kadisha. It's called his here, and it has Kedusha Rabba Venifla. When you are a Nazir during the time of your Nazir, during the time of your Nazirus, the Nazirite, during the time that he or she committed themselves to live this life of sacred sublimity, during the time of the Nazirus, there is a flow of light that comes from Atik. That comes from Atik, that comes from this infinity. And where is it manifested? It's manifested in his hair. The hair on the head of the Nazir is actually a physical mirror and a reflection of the Cyrus of Atika Kadisha. That is embodied in the hair of the Nazir. As Darizal explains in his Sefer, Taimei HaMitzvah, the reasons for the mitzvahs in Parshas Nasek, that's the Parsha of Nazirus. And that's why he's not allowed to shave his hair. He's not allowed to cut himself off from this holiness. The hair has such a powerful energy in it. It's not just regular hair. It's hair that reflects the hair of Atik. And remember, the hair of Atik is responsible for the chius, for the vitality of all the worlds. On the contrary, all the worlds can get their vitality only through the hair. They can't get it directly through Atik, because Atik is too intense. It has to be filtered through the hair. And that's why it's a mitzvah on the Nazir to let his hair grow and not touch it. And every person, even if you're not a Nazir, he besaydes hazaken, ubepeyes meir ha'orim ekudeshes, Cyrus hal yoynes de dikna ilo udepeyes, why does the Torah give a mitzvah to men not to destroy our payas? You're not allowed to destroy the payas. The payas is the side locks that come down from the head that draws the two sides above the cheeks, temples. And the Torah also says, don't surround, don't make your, don't make a circle around your head and cut the payas, and don't destroy the beard. Why? What's the big deal if you cut your payas, if you get rid of the beard? The answer is, because even if you're not a Nazir, in the hear of the Jewish payas, and the Yiddish Abad, there's a ha'ore, there's a glimmer, there's a ray of that Kedusha, of the hear of Hashem's beard. In Kabbalah, there's something called Dikna, Dikna is a beard. Like Zokain, Dikna. 
Dikna ilah, God's beard and God's payas. Again, we don't mean physically. Hashem doesn't have physical payas and beards. But everything physical is a manifestation of spirituality. So when we speak about a beard down here, there's a beard up there. It's the beard of Atik. It's the payas of Atik. When I have payas and I have a beard, it's a reflection, it's a manifestation, a little bit of that Kedusha. The Torah says, don't cut it off. Don't cut it off. Now, there are Jews who are Erlichid from Jews, and they don't have beards, because there are different heterim, there are different dispensations in halacha that some people rely on, not everybody, but some people rely on, in order to be able to cut their beard. But, but, everybody knows that's a heter, meaning there are certain dispensations that according to halachic authorities are fine, and therefore some people have that minhik. But even they have to be very careful how they do it, because But regardless to the various dispensations when it comes to a beard, we all understand that the way Jews did it for thousands of years is they kept their beards. Eliminating the beard is something that was introduced later in Jewish history as a result of influence of the outer world. And then some Jews felt that in order to be a little more integrated or be a little more modern, this is what the look that became accepted. So now many people, they can be very, very big Yerushamayim and God-fearing Jews and Erlich <laughs> You know, it's not, uh, you know the Maisa with the Sat Mirov, yeah? <laughs> and that's a nice story. I heard this from, from Mike Tress's son. There was a Yid, his name was Mike Tress. You ever heard of Mike Tress? He's a very special Jew. He was a big Askin after the war in the Vadat Sala. He helped a lot of refugees after the Second World War. His name was Mike Tress. He was, he had a heart of gold and he just, he dedicated his life to help Jews. Very, very special man. So I was once talking to his son. I know his son, well, his son lives in Lakewood today. His name is Rebarach and he has a son, Moshe. They're friends of mine. So he told me that he grew up in Williamsburg. And his father was a Yid without a beard. And he would meet the Satmer Rebbe, the Yoilish. The Yoilish Teitelboim, And they would shmuas on Rodney Street, because they lived near each other. And he said, the Satmer Rebbe would sometimes see him in the street, and they could shmuas a half an hour. So he says, once, somebody went over to the Satmer Rebbe, and he says, I don't understand. He says, I Yid on a board. <laughs> Mike Tress is a Jew without a beard. And you're just shmuasing with him for such a long time. So the Satmar Rebbe was very sharp. He looks at this person who had a very long beard and he says, you know, after 120, when Mike Tress comes to heaven, they're going to look at him and they're going to say, Yid, Yid, who is thine bard? Jew, Jew, where is your beard? He says, after 120, when you come up, they're going to look at you and they're going to say, Bard, Bard, who is the Yid? <laughs> beard, Beard, where is the Jew? In other words, we have to be careful to understand that the beard is a manifestation of Kedusha. Right? Just, having, just having a beard itself without anything else doesn't make a person <laughs> into a holy person. I have to work on myself. I have to be a mensch. <laughs> a Jew needs a beard, but a beard needs a Jew. My point is that there's a reason that Chassidim especially did not rely on all the dispensations, all the hetayim that some people use to shave their beard. Besides the fact that the tzemach tzedek, 
halachically follows the view of the Eshkel that you're not allowed to shave your beard, even with all of the ways, the methods that's used, you're not allowed to do it because Leisilbash Gever Simlas Isha. So Tzamaq holds that it's absolutely forbidden in halacha. A Jew once told me, it's a Tayyid Ayyid, his name is Mr. Sharf. So he learned, he came, he's a Baba Vachusad. So he learned in the Lubavitchi Yeshiva Tem Chetimimim in 1950-51. And he was getting married. And uh, the Rebbe then, the Lubavitcher, would be the Masada Kedushin. He would officiate the weddings of the boys, of the students. Later, a few years later, he stopped, 1960. But those years, he would be Masada Kedushin, the Rebbe. He was Masada Kedushin of my parents. Masada Kedushin means he wouldn't deal with the Ksuvah, but he would say all the brachas by the Chuppah, and he would attend the Chuppah. So this Jew told me, he told this to me. He says, I went into him, or my father, my father went into him and asked him if he could be Masada Kedushin. So the Rebbe said, the, the, Rebbe, the Rebbe had a condition that the woman, those days a lot of women didn't cover their hair. So the condition was that after the marriage, the woman is going to wear a shaitl and the boy has a beard, because then it was also very unpopular. So he says, but I didn't have a beard. I learned in the Lubavitcher. I say, so my father went in. So uh, just you learn how to respond. So my father, it says, Lubavitcher tells my father, he says, Ayazun is a wunderbarer bacher. Your son is a wonderful, wonderful bacher, and we really enjoy him and are so proud and grat- grateful to have him in our yeshiva. But what should I do? I'm a grandson of the Tzemach Tzedek. And by the Tzemach Tzedek, it's us or not to have a beard. So therefore, he can't ask me to do this. So in a very elegant way, the Rebbe was not Masada Kedushim. Because uh, by Hasidim and generally, including us, Chabad, it was a very important thing, the beard. So Tzemach Tzedek held that halachically you have to have it. The Tatum don't apply. There's different shittas in halacha. Other Jews have different opinions. Fine. But here we're learning something else. We're not talking here now only about if you can get away with it. We're talking about the Kedusha that exists in a beard. The Tzemach Tzedek says, even if you're not a Nazir in the here of a Yiddish Abard and in the payas of a Jew... You have a ha'ara from Cyrus of Attic. And in the Cyrus of Attic is Kedusha, Rabba, Venifla. There's a tremendous, a tremendous Kedusha. And that's why, the, just like the Torah tells the Nazir, never cut your hair, the Torah tells a Jew, don't cut your payas and don't destroy your beard. V'ulam, ha'nazir meir ba'kedusha al-yened atik ha'kedusha the difference is the Nazir, the holiness, is manifested in all the hair on his head. A regular Jew, you're allowed to take a haircut. <laughs> a Nazir is not allowed to take a haircut. It's not just the payas in the bed. By a Nazir, it's all the hair. Mashenkin Pchinis. But, 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 but that's the unique by a Nazir. But a regular person, a regular male Jew, it's in the payas and in the beard. Oh. Now we come to the other side. When you talk about nukvedatzilas, when you talk about the way atzilas, the way divine energy becomes present and grounded in a way that it's contracted and filtered. Atika Kadisha is pure infinity. When you have pure infinity, the overflow, the residue, the surplus is also infinite. It's also unbelievably holy. 
So that's why the life force of all the worlds comes from the hair of Atik, and that's expressed in the Nazar, that's expressed in the beard, and that's when the hair is holy. But when you have Nukva Vatsilas, Nukva Vatsilas is, you have Atik is all the way on the top, and Nukva, femininity is called Malchus. That's the last of the spheres of Vatsilas. Here, the energy becomes very grounded, very practical, very filtered. It's contracted, it's condensed, it's focused, it's concentrated. It's not uh, flying into infinity. So he says, here you have to be careful with here. Why? So the here is also amazing. But the surplus of it, what overflows from it, from this here, there could already be yinike, there could be a nurture, there could be vitality that goes into external forces. And that's why women who represent Malchus, they represent the divine energy that becomes grounded in the body. They, become, they represent a divine energy that is very present in this world. It's the divine energy, the way it's communicated into femininity, which represents full presence, full imminent manifestation, halbasha, as we will see. That requires the energy to go through the tension of tzimtzum. So now, the here is holy. It's Malchus of Atzillus. So, so now, it's holy. Malchus is very, very holy. But from the here, which is the Moisre Moichen, the surplus, the overflow, it's different. It can be, it can be misused. It can become used in a counterproductive way. What's called in Chsidis, Yinika Sachitsoinim. External, external, superficial, fake forces can use it, can be Yoinik. You know, sometimes you say something. It says in Perkeyavis, Chachamim Hizaru Bidivrechem. Sages, be careful with what you say. Why? Because maybe, maybe, yeah, certain students who are not capable of getting it will misuse your words. It's not that what you're saying is bad. It's not bad. But it could be a nikah it could be distorted. By the Nazir, where the here is coming from Atika Kadisha. Atika Kadisha is pure ain't soif. So even the residue, the overflow, the surplus also has that tremendous holiness. And therefore, on the contrary, the here could be completely revealed and grow. He has to grow as you, and he's not allowed to cut there, even if the here is very, very long. And similarly in the payas and the beard. You don't say cut the beard or cover the beard. Fakert. So why by Isha, Seya bi Isha Erva? They didn't want the here to be revealed, the married woman. So the Tzamech Tzedek explains, because the woman represents Nukva. Nukva Vatsilas. That's the way the divine energy is ready to go into the finite world and to become grounded. Now that is a tremendous journey of God's energy. It's not where godliness remains aloof, sublime, transcendent. No, it's going into the world of Tzimtzum. And it's going to contain the universe. It's going to be the mother, we call it Mother Earth. It's the way God becomes the Shechina, femininity. Becomes the progenitor of the world. Nukva Vatsilus. And this represents a big Tzimtzum. There's a serious Tzimtzum that happens here. It's not Atik anymore. So now you have to know that the here is very, very powerful. 
but the here can be misconstrued, it can be misunderstood. Nukva itself is pure holiness, but from the moisture, from the surplus, it can be distorted, and therefore the woman needs to cover. That's why Halacha says she should cover her hair. Seyar, Be'isha, Erva. The exposed hair, the hair of the woman, Erva, it has a sensual energy. It has a deep, deep, intimate energy in it, which can be misconstrued, can be misused by herself and by other people who have contact with the hair. And the covering of the hair protects that energy that it shouldn't be misused in any way. This is the nekuda of the difference of hair. Why is sometimes hair amazing and sometimes hair the other way around? So it depends where the hair is coming from. Here is always Maisri Maichin. The question is if it's from Atik or it's from Malchus. If it's from Atik, Dusharab of Nifla. If it's from Malchus, you have to be careful with it. This is also, by the way, connected to Upsharnish. Why we don't cut the hair of a boy for the first three years. It's also very interesting. Because during those years, there's more of an expression of Atik, the superconscious. Once we're three, <laughs> It's amazing. Today we know this in, 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 in neuroscience. The earliest years, attachment is the key. When you're born, when you're one, when you're two. After three, you think, you know, they're still babies. But after three, everything is different. Things get processed in a more verbal way. So pre-three, it's pre-verbal. It's keser, it's atik, it's superconscious. So that's why you let the hair grow bit, long like a nazar, similar to a nazar. And then after three, we cut the hair. Now we have to channel the energy in a more restricted way. Things are now much more verbal and they're integrated within the finite intellectual faculties. The first three years are very, very crucial because everything gets processed in a subconscious and superconscious way. So this is also fascinating how the first three years represent the nausea over there. It's not a halach, it's just a minik. It's known as upshernish, but it's also a similar concept. It's the Siddur Maharid. Yeah, my mother told me, my mother told me that she was dating my father, Zechrein Yard in 1955. 1955. So they would go to Manhattan. My father had a beard. 1955. And she said they would walk on the streets of Manhattan and everyone stopped to look at him. It was so outlandish. It was so unusual and surreal to see a man with a beard in 1955 that they push it stopped. Now, why did people get upset that the Satmar Rebbe spoke to Mike Tress? Somebody's asking. I don't think he was upset that he spoke to him. He, you know, he gave him so much attention and he had so much. I guess the person maybe felt a little jealous and envious. You know, he was a Satmar Chosid and he had a long beard. And, you know, why does the Satmar Rebbe show so much affection to Mike Tress? I mean, that's what his son once told me. Question. About a woman's hair. If the reason for covering is because of its spiritual source, why wouldn't the hair need to be covered before marriage? Is it because the only potential for misuse comes after marriage. Okay, great question. Somebody else says, you're saying that the theory of relativity originates by here. The truth is it's true because two hairs on the head is very little. Two hairs in the soup is a lot. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Very good, very good, very interesting. Huh? Okay. So we need to explain more about women's hair. Somebody asks a good question. Why not before marriage? And what's this idea? So this needs all more explanation. And Bli Neder, we're going to do that in the next next year, which is going to be Bezir Hashem Monday morning, 7.30.
And we're going to continue this mime because now the Tzemach Tzedek, it was still very abstract. What does this mean that from a higher place, the surplus is holy? And from a lower place, the surplus changes? So that's going to be now the next discussion and the other issues about women's cover, women covering their hair will also become much clearer. Please stay tuned for Shear number three in this Mimer. You could prepare in advance. You could review the past. You should always do that. And I'm going to wish you all a beautiful and meaningful day. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.